Hi, I'm Rima, and you're listening to Think Like a Scientist. In this show, we break down barriers between scientific thinking and modern-day actions for the result of providing you real-life tools and experiences that you can use to bring positive impact. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Think Like a Scientist. Today we're going to go deeper into the subject of how we can develop treatments or novel therapies to treat cancer more effectively and more accurately. But more specifically, I'm going to be going over research from the Dr. McGuigan lab at the University of Toronto, which will come to revolutionize how we discover, develop, and treat cancer patients. And one of the significant things that comes with effectively treating cancer is developing models that can show us the the tumor composition and and all the physiological relevance and cell-to-cell interactions that play a role in, for example, therapeutic resistance or drug resistance, and how we could use this information to 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 personalize treatments and 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 better uh, personalize these treatments f- to increase the accuracy and effectiveness of these treatments in individual uh, cancer patients. But first, let's zoom out. Let's zoom out of all of, of what I just said. The average time to develop a drug takes 12 years. And when you look back 12 years ago, how did your phone look? How did the technology you used look? How did you listen to music? How did you share photos? How did you communicate to your friends and family? It was completely different. And in the time it it takes to develop one drug, around 900,000 cancer patients in Canada will die from cancer. So, So from the time that it takes to recognize a drug and from the time it takes to apply it into clinical practice, takes around 12 years, and that is slow. Why has it been so slow, though? We have been relying on models that have been presented as two-dimensional, 2D models that do not provide us with all the physiological relevance and cell-to-cell interactions that help us understand the tumor composition and and cell to, and tumor cell metabolism that affect Uh, drug treatments and drug resistance and how we could use this information to personalize these treatments and increase the efficacy of these treatments and and if you if you listen to or watched my previous episode i i deeply went into the subject of of genetic variation on the topic of the human proteoform project and how and the importance of genetic variation and and this is something that we don't really have in 2D cultured models. We don't have all the genetic variation that in in normally the actual tumor composition would have in and the experimental challenge of this is how could we take what we know in a, in a human body and and how could we represent the the all the the relevance the physiological relevance of a tumor composition in an actual human body in vitro so in in the lab for example so that we could understand all of these interactions and personalize these treatments and so when i talked about genetic variation specifically in in this case the genetic variation that we see is differences in oxygen nutrients and many different factors that promote tumor progression and there are different factors in each individual that either t- promote tumor progression or suppress it. And by understanding all of these factors, 
obviously, like I mentioned, we can therefore personalize these treatments and increase the accuracy and efficacy of these treatments, which would in turn proceed to better outcomes. So first you may think though, what is the tumor microenvironment? The tumor microenvironment is, is compromised of cellular components that are made up of many different cells. And different cells include cells such as tumor cells, resident cells. So resident cells are cells that are cells that were original originally present in that tissue. And then we also have infiltrating cells, which are cells that came from the blood and infiltrated into the tumor, which allow the tumor to progress. And this means that it, it allow, also allow the tumor to metastasize, to spread to other tissues in the body. So if let's say it was a breast cancer, this cancer could metastasize and spread to other parts of the body, and that's what differentiates these stages. But more importantly, in this, in this case and in this episode, I'm, I want to talk about how the tumor microenvironment plays a role in tumor progression and how this influences key, key features of cancers such as metastasis and drug resistance. And, and, at, and the, at the end of the video, once I explain to you all of these key features and very fascinating um, significant findings of all of this, I'm going to talk about how we could engineer a 3D tumor microenvironment so that we could represent what we see in a human body in vitro and how we could understand uh, the tumor composition in vitro so that we could personalize these treatments. And so the goal of this episode is to talk about the key features in tumor microenvironment and how they differ in different patients and different cells that make up the tumor microenvironment, how this affects, for example, oxygen availability and how this affects metastasis, so the, how the, the cancer cells can spread to other tissues in the body and as well as drug resistance. And the importance of engineering a 3D tissue cancer to tumor microenvironment that, represent, that accurate, accurately represents what is seen in a tumor uh, in, a, in a human body, but as well as allows us to to characterize metabolite differences and, and detailed uh, characterization of how this affects tumor progression and tumor cell metabolism. And this is what the McGuigan lab does at the University of Toronto. They have developed what is called a tracer model, which allows us to understand uh, and spatially map all of these differences and understand how this plays a role in tumor cell metabolism and tumor progression. And so you may be asking, why should we capture this, this in tissue-engineered models? Well, the genetic and phenotypic evolves over the course of the disease, and this influences therapy and drug resistance. And by understanding tumors and what influence drug resistance, we can learn which treatment is most effective for that specific individ individual, which means how we can personalize these treatments for specific, specific cancer patients. However, capturing this is a challenge, and that is why I'm talking about the tracer model, specifically uh, what the research that the McGuigan lab at the University of Toronto has been working on, and the potential of this model in cancer research and cancer treatment and drug discovery. First, I want to go into the tumor microenvironment and the different cell types that play a role in tumor progression. And you may be asking, what is the significance and the role of understanding all of these cell types? And you may be thinking, well, what is the difference between someone who has cancer and someone who doesn't have cancer? And why is it so hard 
to understand these cell-to-cell interactions and the complexity of someone with cancer so that we can treat them, well, mainly, well, more generally, if you zoom out, more generally, obviously, the, the main differences that we see is not in the cell types, but in the activation and inhibition of these cells. Now, what do I mean by that? In someone with a normal immune system, we have cells, we all have these cells, someone with cancer or someone without cancer. But in someone with a normal immune system, the cells that say promote tumor progression or that promote uh, cancer cells are inhibited. And conversely, the cells that 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 are anti-tumoral or that um, that fight these cancer cells, cancer cells and promote apoptosis, which is cancer cell death, is activated. What we see in someone with cancer is that many of these cells is the opposite, is that these cells that promote tumor progression become activated, and the cells that, that inhibit uh, tumor progression are, are inactivated. So meaning that, that they have the, the factors that promote tumor progression and the factors that fight these cancer cells or promote apoptosis of these cancer cells, cancer cell death, are inhibited. And this all comes down to transcription factors, meaning what are the factors that that turn these genes on or off? There are different transcription factors that that affect gene expression and in turn the expression of these genes affect the activation and inhibition of different proteins that play a role in the activation and inhibition of, of, of these different cell types. In the beginning of this episode, I mentioned resident cells, and the most common type of resident cells are fibroblasts and endothelial cells. Let's go into what fibroblasts are and what they do in normal immune systems and what occurs in cancer patients. So fibroblasts are cells in connective tissue, and they're responsible for healing wounds, obviously more generally. But during cancer development, Resident fibroblasts are transformed into what is called cancer-associated fibroblasts. Why is this important? Well, activated cancer-associated fibroblasts, or CAFs, become tumor-promoting and increase cell survival, and they alter immune and anti-tumor response. Meaning that they suppress responses in the body that would otherwise fight or recognize these cancer cells and destroy them. We also have endothelial cells. Endothelial cells are cells that line the internal organs and mainly they they line the large uh, blood vessels and the arteries and veins. And what happens in cancer, in the tumor microenvironment, is that endothelial cells become a part of the formation of blood vessels to the growing tumor, which allow it to progress even further. And this is what is referred to as angiogenesis, so the formation of blood, new blood vessels and vasculature to the tumor. In the beginning, I also mentioned infiltrating cells, so cells that come from the blood into the tumor. And the main two components are the T cells and B cells. T cells, I also briefly talked about in my previous episode, is that the role is to recognize invading, invading microbes and foreign bodies like viruses or even cancer cells, and there are different types of cells, but the main point here is that they recognize and fight these cancer cells 
And we also have things like B cells. B cells provide these antibodies. And I don't want to go off track here, but the reason why vaccination is required for COVID-19 and is emphasized rather than natural immunity is because the antibody response in natural immunity is not as significant as vaccination and does not provide the needed response to effectively kill the virus and and respond to the virus with the immunity that is seen in vaccination. But anyways, let's just go back on track here. This is what led to the development of immunotherapy. So understanding these interactions of T-cells and B-cells, which is also something that I talked about in my previous episode, and is something that is that shows promise in treating cancer, and more specifically also leukemia. And in my previous episode, I talked about a story of a girl who had childhood cancer, or more specifically, acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which is a type of blood cancer. And what happened in her case is that her T-cells were unable to recognize and fight these cancer cells. And she was given an immunotherapy, a more specifically CAR T-cell immunotherapy, where... Uh, which stands for chimeric antigen T-cell, where the scientists were able to take her T-cells, engineer it with CAR, the chimeric antigen receptor, which allows her body to recognize these cancer cells and fight them. And she was cured of cancer and is still now cured of cancer. It has been, I think, around eight years. But let's go back on track to the main point here, is that you would think that in cancer, T-cells and B-cells would main point is to recognize and fight these cancer cells. And that is true, that is what is seen in cancer cells, that is what their main objective is in the body. But there is a subpopulation of T-cells called T-regulatory cells that that suppress this anti-tumor response. And so understanding the role is an important part of developing immunotherapies. So it's not just black and white, it's not just that this cell suppresses this and this cell promotes this. Sometimes in disease, a cell whose main objective is to do one thing, for example, inhibit tumor progression, can be affected and do the complete other thing, which is activate or promote tumor progression. There are also another type of infiltrating cells called macrophages, which are a type of white blood cells that are also responsible for the immune response. And macrophages that infiltrate cancer cells are known as as tumor-associated macrophages, or TAMs. And even then, there are different types of macrophages. We see that there are two types, M1 and M2, but more specifically, um, we have types that have the ability to recruit immune cells into the tumor microenvironment so that they can inhibit tumor progression. But we also have types, or another type, M2 more specifically, that enhance angiogenesis, meaning that they um, take a part in the formation of new blood vessels and vasculature to the tumor microenvironment, and play a part in immunosuppression, so they suppress the immune response, the ability to fight and recognize and fight these cancer cells, that also play a part in immunosuppression and tumor progression and tumor growth. We also have natural killer cells, which are responsible, by their name you could tell, they're responsible for recognizing and eliminating cancer cells. And the role has been well understood. It has been shown that they have been effectively been able to efficiently eliminate cancer cells. And so you would think that in a cancer patient that this is what they can do but even though it has been shown that they are efficient at killing tumor cells the tumor microenvironment that surround them provide suppress suppressive properties that affect the ability of these natural killer cells to inhibit the their cytotoxic functions meaning their ability to 
to cause cell damage or cell death or apoptosis in can of cancer cells. And so going back, all of these components, the formation of new blood vessels and vasculature, affect oxygen availability, which can lead to hypoxia, also known as low oxygen. There are regions in tumors that have low oxygen, and they're known as solid tumors. And it has been shown that solid tumors have been most resistant to therapies and drugs. And so by understanding, having a model that we could spatially map these regions and understand the, the spatial distribution of the tumor composition and its effects on tumor cell metabolism, its ability to metabolize certain, certain amino acids like tryptophan, for example, and in turn affect tumor progression, uh, resistance to apoptosis, cell death, cancer cell death, and in turn can lead to worse patient outcomes. And so I just want to stop and pause at what I just mentioned, oxygen. Because oxygen is a key small molecule in the tumor microenvironment because hypoxic regions, regions of low oxygen, are a feature of most solid tumors, which in turn affects drug treatment and increase uh, resistance to drugs and therapies. And so you may be asking, how can hypoxic regions survive without oxygen? Well, this goes back to what I mentioned in the beginning, these transcription factors, and there are several signaling pathways that regulate and allow these tumors to survive, even the regions of, even hypoxic regions, regions of low oxygen. And mainly what we see is a transcription factor called hypoxic inducible factor. And so hypoxia-inducible factors, or HIFs, overall decrease mitochondrial oxygen consumption, which allows the increased delivery of oxygen to cells that are located far away from these blood vessels, regions of low oxygen, in hypo hypoxic regions. And that's how they are able to continue to progress despite not having oxygen. Oxygen availability also has a major role and influence on tumor cell metabolism, but understanding them and these cell-to-cell -cell interactions and their effects on metabolism turnover, turnover has been an experimental challenge. And so this gets to the main focal point of the McGuigan lab and tissue engineering and effectively creating 3D models so that we can spatially map and understand these dynamic interactions. Most models have been limited because they have been represented as 2D, two-dimensional models, because they do not provide us with all the physiological information and cell-to-cell -cell interactions that are needed to understand tumor composition and its effect on therapeutic resistance and how we could use this information to personalize treatments. But the story doesn't end there. So the McGuigan lab developed what is called a tracer model. And the thing is 2D cultures and 2D dimensional models are also beneficial because they, they enable us to isolate samples and characterize metabolites and provide us detailed characterization. So more specifically, what the McGuigan lab did is to develop a tracer model. Tracer portrays an engineered tumor that is assembled by rolling a single component biocomposite sheet by infiltrating cells on a scaffold material that could be rapidly unrolled and disassembled to allow isolation of cells from specific tumor locations. So tracer and engineering a 3D tumor microenvironment allows us to improve diagnosis and personalize treatments. And by using this model, the McGuigan lab can spatially map cellular metabolism in 3D and identify metabolic signatures that contain both HIF, the hypoxic inducible factor, 
dependent and independent components. So where, which components of the tumors are dependent on the, on this signaling pathway that I mentioned previously and ones that are independent of it. And so the analysis using this tracer model allows us to understand to, to figure out novel pathways that are regulated by HIF, by this hypoxia-inducible factor. One significant finding using this tracer model is that HIF, or hypoxia-inducible factor regulation in pathways, affects the level and activity of a certain enzyme called indolamine dioxygenase, or IDO. And this enzyme is responsible for the catabolism or breakdown of tryptophan in the body. And if you're familiar with the essential amino acids, tryptophan is one of the essential amino acids that we need to take in from our foods. And IDO is responsible for the breakdown of tryptophan. And this creates immunosuppressive environments. And in normal immune systems, IDO, indolamine dioxygenase, regulates the immune system by breaking down tryptophan or controlling tryptophan levels so that the immune system doesn't overreact to threats. And this is essentially what is seen in autoimmune diseases, that the immune system overreacts to threats. But in cancer patients, tumor cells use this immunosuppressive system by upregulating IDO activity and depleting tryptophan in the tumor microenvironment, which which basically creates this depletion and immunosuppression that even doesn't even allow the immune system to recognize and fight these cancer cells. And so now you could see how this all comes together and how tumor composition and all these transcription factors and all these pathways affect tumor cell metabolism, meaning that it affects the catabolism of certain amino acids. And an engineered 3D model of a tumor microenvironment will expedite the process and accuracy of diagnosis and treating cancer and the efficacy of cancer treatments through understanding tumor composition and tumor cell metabolism. To summarize, we talked about tumor and the importance of capturing this in tumor engineered models and how the McGuigan lab has been working on this using the tracer model to spatially map and spatially understand all these dynamic interactions in, in someone with, with cancer. We talked about the key features, such as the tumor microenvironment, cell-to-cell interactions, and the transcription factors and the signaling pathways, such as HIFs, or the hypoxia-inducible factors. We talked about hypoxia and the role of oxygen availability in solid tumors and its role in drug resistance and therapy resistance. And I also ended with a brief note on how these transcription factors affect tumor cell metabolism and how 3D tissue engineering models allow us to spatially map the dynamics of the cell-to-cell interactions, which will help us understand how we can personalize these treatments, which will therefore increase the accuracy and efficacy of these treatments, which will also in turn lead to better patient outcomes. And what I mean when I say that tumors are heterogeneous is something that I mentioned in my previous episodes and I talked a lot about on my podcast, is that no matter the the type of cancer that a patient may have, say breast cancer, even though two people may have the same type of cancer, breast cancer, the tumor composition and tumor cell metabolism of that tumor of those tumors are different and so the way they respond to the drugs are different different and so capturing the differences and the and the different cell to cell interactions and its effects on tumor cell metabolism is crucial in understanding how we can personalize these treatments and how we can increase the accuracy and efficacy of these treatments which will, will in turn lead to better patient outcomes 
So thank you all for listening or watching to this episode. You may be wondering why it's all very dark in here. It's because the, there's a storm outside and the power is out. But of course, that does not stop me from making a Think Like a Scientist podcast. We still have all these tools to uh, record and and everything. I post and publish every two weeks on Think Like a Scientist podcast. I publish on YouTube and, and all the relevant platforms. And I hope to see you in the next episode where I dive deeper into the subject of bioengineering. Thank you for your time and I'll see you in the next episode. Music